Womankind Collective with me, Lou Hopkins-Thompson and me, Jinty Shearing. We will talk all things woman, so get the kettle on and settle in for a chat and probably a lot of laughter along the way. Coming up in this week's podcast, we will be talking to the amazing Lauren Derrett, founder of the stylish Wear-Em-Out reusable period pads and the host of Fifty Shades of Green podcast. She will be talking to us about not only the problem of disposable sanitary wear, but also giving us some eco hacks and swaps you may like to try. Lauren will also be giving us her three tips for becoming more eco-friendly. For our book collective, Lou and I give you our first thoughts on our new book. Can't wait for that, Lou. No, I'm looking forward to yeah. it. Three Women by Lisa Tadeo. When is the next wine collective, I hear you ask? <gasps> when? Yes, I shall tell you when. Why? It's next week. <laughs> so today, Lou will be announcing this month's tipple and I will be giving you a gorgeous alcohol-free option. So you've got a mm. week to buy it. And yes, we and then we, less than a week to drink it. Then. Yes, exactly. We will continue with our no-bake foodie collective theme. <gasps> chocolate truffles oh, so looking forward to that. yeah i know and we'll also be delving into the benefits of cacao and finding out the difference between cacao and cocoa besides the spelling okay. and the pronunciation <laughs> <laughs> um, because it's been mental health awareness week we are going back in time and i'm going to tell you a story and look into the historical treatments of anorexia nervosa so you may need a tissue i'm just providing you with that and we have a WI for Lou, but it's not from me. Oh, mm. mm. will be revealed. So how's your week been, Lou? It's been okay. It's been super busy, but we I did actually have a, we had a really funny thing this week because obviously we've got, we had the lovely Sam um, from Joe Devine on last yep. week, didn't we? Yep. And we've got, um, I've got a little brochure. You're here. holding the brochure I'm holding in your the hand. Brochure with yes with lubes and equipment vibrators yes all kinds of pleasurable items dilators yes <laughs> so we're sat in this the smallest room in my house which is like turned into an office and is a bedroom so computers in here so my husband comes up in the week to order his mum my mum-in-law's <laughs> food from one of these companies that delivers her dinners to her and um sat reading the brochure he did <laughs> So I think mum-in-law has got some extra sausages, <laughs> sausage and mash being delivered this week and he came down holding it going, oh, I didn't know you had this. <laughs> Mother-in-law's got some new moisturiser on yeah, the way. She, she could be having anything, poor Val. <laughs> Anyway, oh, how's, how's your been? Yours been, Jim? Oh, yeah, mine, mine's been all right. I've, I've had an old menopausal symptom oh. reoccur. Oh, which I haven't had it for a year. Now, this is more of an unusual... Well, it says it's quite common, but I haven't met one other woman yet. So please, Womankind Collective, can you comment or message me if you've had this? It's called burning mouth syndrome. Oh. And it is on the list of things and it but it's horrible Lou and I haven't had it for about a year and I went back I did a food diary mm -hmm. and I found that um it was tin tomatoes set it off basically wow. um and also my low estrogen yeah my, my estrogen drops so um being on HRT has massively helped that so I haven't had it for a year and I avoid tin tomatoes like the plague 
Um, but I did have this week because I've been really busy. I never, I always cook my meals from scratch. So but good. I had, yeah. Well, I have to because yeah. so many things have got tin tomatoes in yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and but I had a plant kitchen, Marks and Spencer's non-chicken tikka curry. Nice. And I, afterwards, I could feel this. It starts. It's really weird. It starts on inside of my bottom lip. Mm-hmm. I get like a weird, like a. It feels like an ulcer's coming. And then it seems it spreads. So now it's all of the inside of my bottom lip, all of the inside of my top lip, the sides of my tongue, and right up to that. I don't know what they call that little bit. Poking my tongue. Up. <laughs> <laughs> that, there is a word right, for it. Isn't yeah, there, there mm. is the bit that goes up toward your nose. Yes. Anyway, um, you can't see it. It doesn't really look ulcerated, but it feels massive and swollen, and it feels burnt and sore and it affects everything I drink and eat so do you think there's been a drop there's a drop been a drop in your estrogen I came on um uh, the other day so I think what's happened is my estrogen's dropped coincidentally yeah. had something that I didn't cook I don't yeah. really know I have had a look at the ingredients there was tomatoes in it um it's not horrendous I can no. live with it Lou but it takes weeks now yeah, I'll have this really. for at least four weeks yeah, that's and it's so, just unpleasant. It's so interesting. It was just like a perfect storm for it yeah. to come out, really, wasn't yeah. it? It is. I've tried an, an antihistamine this morning, yeah. and it hasn't gone yet. I'm expecting miracles, okay. but I'll let you know if that take if, a few if that works. But so we thought we'd visit um, sort of more unusual menopause horm- um, hormones, <laughs> menopause <laughs> symptoms next week, didn't yes. we? Yes. Well, all symptoms really, yeah. not just unusual and, ones. Yeah. Go back over some of the the more and and talk about the um, ones that are really people don't know about. Yeah, yeah, the ones you really don't good. expect, yes. um, like burning mouth syndrome. And please let us know if you, you suffer from that. It also affects my eyes a bit as well, dries my eyes oh. out. Yeah. And because so, and, um, we've got a little sheet here in front of us about what we do. We, we usually go off sheet. Yeah. Um, but uh, underneath, underneath it's got gusset gate part two. Oh, yes. I just thought I'd, <laughs> I just thought I'd let <laughs> you know. Happened again with the same pants. Gussets on my hip. Do you know what? I think I it's the new moon. It's just completely sent me a it's bit. Throwing you, it throws moony. your gussets around, it's doesn't it? <laughs> throws my gussets literally sideways. <laughs> so yes, gusset gate. Luckily, it wasn't the day I started my period because that would have been that would have been a problem. That would have been a my gusset. No gusset to save me. <laughs> so yeah, gusset gate. Oh. And the other thing, I just thought I've got to ask if anyone else, does it. You know, you have earworms and you get a song in your head and yeah. it goes right. Do you ever get? Well, I've I've called them uh, word worms because I get a word in my head and I cannot. My word this week has been fenugreek. Jesus Christ! I can't James. keep saying. I can't stop saying it in my head. You've just fenugreek. said it now. Fenugreek. It's there. It's just <laughs> on the tip of my swollen tongue. <laughs> I'm putting that down to your lack of oestrogen this week. Oestrogen, new moon, gussets. Yeah. Well, it's all been happening this week, Lou. So fenugreek, there you go. Wordworms. Anyone else have a wordworm? Please let me know. Yeah. So we had some lovely comments and messages, oh, didn't we, this week, Lou? You know, we so did. So after listening to our alcohol and menopause episode, Sarah says, I love the fact re-oestrogen and not feeling the oomph to want to drink mm. anymore. But maybe it's coming back. I'm three weeks into HRT and running to the wine aisle at Sainsbury's. Get on, sir. <laughs> or you'll need to run back with Lou's suggestion yes, this week, you won't may. you? And Jane, who you may remember, um, 
commented and she, she paused in one of our podcasts to go and make a doctor's appointment for her menopause symptoms. Well, she reported back and unfortunately, like when many women that were in the Davina's Sex, Myths and Menopause documentary, she found no help mm -hmm. from her doctor. Um, the, the GP told Jane that she did not support HRT and doesn't think she needs it as she is probably postmenopausal. Um, and Jane also says she has a family history of osteoporosis um, but the doctor said that oestrogen does not prevent it. So <laughs> there you go. Um, she says, and also she says she's learnt more from our podcasts and the documentary than from talking to the doctor. Oh, so I think she's going to keep going. I mean, that's great. But, you know, she, the doctors, this is where everyone's falling down, isn't well, we it? We can't prescribe, no. can we? And Christ, nor can Davina. I, no, if I did, I'd be just chucking it out. The, I'd be out <laughs> the window, chucking those prescriptions out. I know, oh. exactly. It's disappointing, um, but you may have all seen from, we've been sharing it as well, that the Menno charity run by Dr. Louise Newsom yeah. is now, they can afford to give one place to every doctor and every practice yes. to go and do menopause training. Absolutely I mean, amazing. Fantastic. I mean, things that, you know, but why does it have to come from a charity? I know. Well, don't so, get me started. Yeah, but perhaps Jane could email her own GP about yes. that. So there you go. Yeah. Go and do some training. <laughs> And then we had a lovely one from um, Lisa, um, read Catherine's headaches on yes. episode eight. And she told us that she ended up in hospital at the stroke clinic, which they eventually diagnosed as an aura headache, numbness, slurring vision. Um, and it was really frightening, but thankfully... That's the one Catherine was talking about. Yes. It sounded yeah. exactly like a stroke, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, it did. Oh, I hope you're okay now, Lisa. <laughs> Right, um, another one from Naomi in Scotland who says, enjoying this week about alcohol and did we know that Glennon's friend in the book, you know, she rings up Liz quite a lot. Yes. Did we know, I didn't know this, that, that her Liz is Elizabeth Gilbert of Eat, Pray, Lo Eat, Pray, Love fame. No, I didn't, but I'm really glad. I, I love those kind of, you know. There you go. It's a little, t little fun fact. Fun fact. Thank you, Naomi. Fun fact. And then we've got a lovely new listener called Elena. Elena. Elena, hi. Elena. Yeah. I'm halfway, sorry, Elena, if that's not how we've spelt it or said it. Um, I'm halfway through your podcast and found you guys by fate after an episode with Emma. Loving you both already and have told my class participants to give you a listen too. Thank you. Awesome podcast. Yay. Yay. Thank you, Elena. I wonder what her class is. Wow. I don't care. Well, it doesn't matter, does it? <clears throat> doesn't matter, but thank you, Ellen. That's great. And Nikki says, had a long lion with coffee and today's podcast. Blooming perfect. She says her untamed book finally arrived and she's loving it. She's also loved Laura's tips and said they would have been on her list as well, so she couldn't have said it better. Oh, brilliant. And then finally, we've got another new listener, Louise, who said she's a newbie to our podcast, but I'm working my way through them. They're great. I'm learning lots. Well done, girls. How fab Oh, that? that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. We're glad to have you on board, Louise. Yes, we definitely are. <clears throat> so do you think it's time to meet our lovely... Lo You're excited about this one, oh, Lou, Oh, I'm girl fanning. Girl you fanning. Are. You are. You've been... So Lou's been following Lauren for a little while, so um, you're rather excited about this, haven't you? I am very excited. Let's go for Let's it, Let's go meet Lauren. Lauren Derrett is the founder of Wear'em Out, the reusable planet-friendly period pads named by Stylist magazine as one of their top eco-period brands. She's a mum of four and describes herself as eco-curious, aware of her responsibility to the environment, but not an eco-warrior. 
Lauren started her company Wearem Out in 2019 and the product was launched in January 2020, just before the global pandemic hit. By using reusable pads, Lauren asked us to create a habit where we all wear them out rather than throw them out. Catchy. I Hi, like Lauren. It. Hi, Lauren. Hello. <laughs> Lovely I... to talk to you. Well, thanks for asking me on, girls. Thanks no for worries. Yeah, oh, it's great. So, Lauren, we both love your honesty and your transparency and the fact that you're recognising that we can't do everything and we can't certainly can't do it all at once when it comes to saving the planet. But we shouldn't let that stop us what we're doing and what we can. Um, so... Uh, so that's I we think that's a brilliant message, don't yeah. we, Lou? Because yeah, it's a, it's a doable message. Yeah, exactly. Because so, can you tell us a bit more about yourself and where the idea for Wear 'em Out came from? Yeah, so I, I um I started well dragged kicking and screaming to um <laughs> reusable pads about five years ago. I was absolutely horrified at the idea, absolutely disgusted. <laughs> um, and my friend who was proper into it was like, Lauren, you have to try this. And I was like, Oh god, I can't think of anything worse. Um <laughs> And I found these tatty old kind of tie-dyed fleecy numbers. And, <laughs> and then I wore them and I just thought, you know, because then I obviously heard about the stuff, the impact of the planet, the chemicals that are in the disposables. And once you hear that stuff, it's really hard to go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then about five, four years later, I realised that there wasn't really any mainstream marketing of this product and I just thought there was a massive gap missing in mm. for modern life and not just that I, I thought there's a product missing that works for modern life you know that is yeah. going to be able to uphold the lifestyles that we lead and the fact that we want comfort because that's what we're used to now um so yeah I just got about designing one I can't take the credit I didn't design it we had a designer who designed it um and put it out to the mainstream and and one of my it's funny you should mention the stylist quote because one of my first things was I want I want a pad that you're going to see in stylist magazine because really? I, thought, <laughs> I thought it was so unachievable I just thought yeah, it's never going to happen brilliant. and the same so, the same sorry the same thing with um I want a pad that you see in a high street mainstream store and we're now yeah. stocked in next and it's yeah. like it that those things that needed to happen yeah definitely I was talking to my daughter earlier on she's 23 and um I was saying who, who was speaking to and and, and, I, and then I went yeah they're stocked in next. Well, her eyes are up then. She was, they were sort of rolling before, but then they arrived next. It changes the game. It changes the game it for reusable period products. Yeah. I mean, I haven't done it single-handedly. Let's not forget all the um, moddy body and, you know, the workers and the good, great, amazing pants that have really passed away for reusable yeah. pads, reusable yeah. products, really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When I started looking into it, because I love uh, period pants, they they have they are a game changer for me. But yeah. I wish, like yeah, like you, I wish I'd started years ago. Yeah. But they probably weren't even around then no. anyway. Um, but Lauren, so what did you do before then? So you obviously you didn't have a designer background then. If somebody no. designed them for you, what what were you doing? Were you in business before or? Oh, listen, I'm a jack of all trades, master of absolutely nothing. Um, I left school at 14 without one qualification. I um, qualified in hairdressing and I literally just fumbled my way through the next 30 years of my life because I'm not someone who has massive goals or I was never after a career as such. I thought I'm just going to get married and have babies. And I'd done that quite early on. Yeah. And then um, after my fourth baby, Ace, who I had when I was about 39, 
um, I went, I entered into the birth world and I became self-employed then because I was a doula and a hypnobirth teacher and kind of started running my own businesses from there. Wow. And that kind of fed into really what I'm doing now in the, in the space in between, I started this thing called This Girl Is Enough, which was kind of like what you heard, an empowering for women kind of context. And yeah. I wrote a book about being filter free and it was a long, boring story really, but it's then all ended up with me being here as some kind of, entrepreneur wannabe so (laughs) I don't think you're a wannabe no it's fantastic I think with anything like that it and to to succeed in anything like that it just has to be a passion doesn't it something you believe in which is what you've always done which is which is fantastic that's why we get honestly hairdressers at heart yeah we're all three of us yeah there you go hairdressers here there you go so so Lauren so going back to thinking about sanitary products so why should women be more aware of the sanitary products they're using? Can you, I know the chemicals in the plastic, and I know this is such a big thing, and I never, ever knew. No, no, I never even thought no, about it. Shocking. I think, that, I think the most obvious one that people are starting to become aware of is the environmental impact because we're, you know, plastic is being so highlighted now. Mm. I'm not, like you mentioned in the, in the beginning of the show, I'm not an eco-warrior. I'm eco-curious. I'm curious as to what switches I can offset in my life. I'm not about a fully, trying to obtain a fully sustainable life because I, I like my luxuries and, you know, that makes me selfish, fair be. But I'm happy to get curious around what offsets I can make. So mm. the these disposable pads are 90% single-use plastic. And I think people kind of started realising that, but still... It might not have been enough to make them think, yeah, I'm going to go for a washable. When you hear about, when I started reading about the the actual chemicals in them, and there's a website that I reference all of the time. It's called womansvoices.org. And they are on a mission to, um, you know, put into the spotlight the chemicals that's in a lot of feminine care. So feminine washes, tampons and pads. Mm. And actually... um, they took a part and always pad and they reportedly say and there's up to 3000 toxic chemicals in there which are carcinogenic outrageous um, isn't it I mean, the thing is, what blows my mind is there's not been any scientific studies, and I can only assume because the funding's probably coming from a man. <laughs> and yes, uh, it's yes, not a priority. The nail on the head. It's yeah. just not a priority in the big grand scheme of things. But this this website has literally taken the pads apart and tested them themselves. So mm. I'm assuming, you know, and not just that they they're quite transparent in that they do them yearly, and every year they you can see the ingredients adjusting. The thing that really grinds my gears is that. In the UK, they're not, they don't have to, um, there's no legislation to say that they have to list the ingredients on the packets. And then you get really clever companies such as, and I'm going to call them out body form because I've done, (laughs) because I saw it on their website. They've got, they're all for transparency and they're all for telling everybody what's in the pad. So there's a question on their uh, FAQs, which is what are the ingredients in your pads? And they're all like, we are really transparent. We want everyone to know. And they list all these ingredients to kind of blindside you mm. and then there's one ingredient where it says fragrance and the, the ingredients that they've listed next to that is perfume there's no what what's the perfume made of babes because that's the problem you know yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so that they're, they're really skirting around the issue which means that we're not making informed choices around you know, a product that we wear inside or on our most absorbent parts of our bodies for up to me, up to eight days a month, every month. 
Yeah. That's a hell of a lot of chemicals being absorbed directly into the most sensitive area of our body. And if the reports are correct, what they're saying, the actual chemicals that they're listing have effects on our hormones really drastically. So they could be, they suggest, um, causing infertility problems, much more infertility, much more problematic periods. And actually, we can see that, that it's getting worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we need to be really mindful and not just that, but we're in a time where we are absorbing so many chemicals from every, everything from the water that we drink down back to everything. So it's about where can you eliminate chemicals absorption? Where, what can, and this is such an easy way to reduce your chemical absorbent absorption from building up month after month. Yeah. Go on, Jess. I was just, I was just gonna say, yeah, it's for you, but it's also for the planet as well, isn't it? Planet, I mean, yeah. You know. no, I just think we both got, da- you know, we got daughters, and you just think, oh, it's, it's, it's so scary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's one of the things that did trigger me into the, the business yeah. as well. My daughter was coming of age, having her periods, and I was using a cup at that time as well. And her friends were all using tampons, and I just, I couldn't bear it. So we had the chat. She's seventeen now. She wears fully reusable. She wears a cup mainly. Mm. Um, but sleeps in the pads because she can't be bothered with the cup. <laughs> so, yeah, don't blame her. Yeah, I don't blame her now either. Um, yeah, because I think we need to be educating the next generation, especially on yeah. the damage that's being caused, supposedly. I have to always caveat it because, obviously, like I say, there's no scientific evidence, but, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to think about the bleach they're using to make them that white even if you just want to break it down to the bare bones. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's scary, isn't it? Because I remember... I watched your IGTV um, today. I was listening to it as I was driving around for work. And it, you said your vagina is as sensitive as your eyeballs. And I yeah. thought I wouldn't put a bleach product on my eyeballs. So yeah. why are this we is, putting it inside us? Yeah, this is you know? the crazy thing. Is like the amount of money we're spending on organic face creams and chemical-free body washes and everything. But you'll shove a tampon yeah, you know, exactly. into well, we had, we had a similar conversation with Sam, didn't we, last week from about in, in, yeah, from, about intimate washes. Yes, and same thing. Yeah, same thing. You don't need all those no. your vagina all those and your chemicals. Don't yeah. need to smell of roses. They don't, and they no. don't, you know, they don't need to be washed. They they're self cleaning. They don't need exactly. And on one of my um, probably more impassioned IGTVs, at some point, I'm sure I said, when I see a cock wash on the uh, shelves at Tesco's, then I'm interested in, you know, the, the whole uh, genital yeah. hygiene. But until I see something to sort them them out, then, uh, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. really not interested. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. exactly. Yeah, exactly. So what about... Um, what happens to them once we've, we obviously know they're not biodegradable. So what happens to the single use um, pads after we've used them, we put them in the bin. They obviously don't go in the recycling bin. They go in our landfill. Mm-hmm. What, where do they go from here, Lauren? I just want to say that the, there's some really great organic disposables on the market now uh, oh. that are, you know, hundred percent cotton that don't have chemicals in them. I will say they are like a bit of a skateboard because obviously they have to be thicker. They're bigger because they haven't got all the chemicals absorbing it. Stay a skateboard. Yeah. Yes, like a skateboard <laughs> in your pants. If anybody's ever had a baby, the maternity pads where you have to, you're walking like yeah, a cow. Oh, I remember them. You couldn't put your legs oh, Exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, that's what these ones are like. But it's a, it's, a, it's a better option for the people who don't want the standard, um, you know, disposables between that and the reusables. But they only take, say, 12 to 18 months to de- decompose in landfill. If 
they are in the right conditions to decompose in. If they're buried under a load of other stuff and not, and not being, you know, not getting the oxygen to them, it won't happen. The decomposition wow. won't happen in the same way. And not just that, I think we have to really think about single-use products as a whole. Whenever you're looking at a product that you're about to buy, if it's single-use, then the energy that's been used just to create it for one use has to come into play. So whilst they're a great idea, and I've used them as a backup, if I've gone away and I didn't want to wear reusables, they're a great backup, but they're still part of the problem. So the 90% plastic single-use ones, they will sit on landfill between 500 to 800 years rotting. God. That's, 800 years? That's, that's ridiculous, isn't it? I can't, I, I, it's the same as yeah. the nappies, though, isn't yeah. it? Yes, the same. same things. And, and also there's like 4.8 billion pieces being thrown onto landfill per year like two hundred thousand tons of menstrual waste a year just in the uk going to landfill you know where is it all going it's not just yeah. sitting there quietly either it's sitting there rotting yeah yeah you know yeah. if it's not something you want rotting in your bathroom bin you're just rotting it on a part of the planet i mean it's, it just doesn't make any sense it's always like been is it a nimby not in my backyard so you know you're just chucking it in the bin uh, yes. and taking it's gone somewhere else hasn't it? yes yes I, I we... did have a friend a friend of a friend it says not somebody i knew but oh, it right. did make me laugh she was a bit she was a bit out there and she she met she made a she hung them on her christmas tree once her used <laughs> what <laughs> yes she no. used yes Yes, oh my gosh. I don't know whether she was going through something, but yeah, she hung well, yeah, I mean, I'll use podcast, you can tell me her name. Yes. Oh my god. I mean that's yes. I yeah, can't... well. Do you want to go around there for Christmas dinner with that though? No. Oh, no. no, not so really. much. I'm, not I'm, so open, much. I'm quite open to most things, but um, <laughs> that might be <laughs> maybe she was trying to make a statement. Yeah. You know. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> but um yeah, no. So um where are where are we, Lou? Where, where are we? So I would say your wear them out pads are made in the UK, which Ooh, is yes. great. Mm -hmm. So how do they differ from others on the market, Lauren? Well, I think I think it's all in the design, to be honest. I mean, I can't speak for every other variant on the market because obviously there's tons and I'm not one I'm not going to spend my time trying to <laughs> take theirs apart no. but I, I mean I know from being a pad wearer for a good few years, I knew what I needed in the design to make it the best pad that it could be because I had the experience in it um so our pads are sewn on independently of the main body of the pad which means it's not compromised when you close the poppers shut on the wings yeah um, yes I was looking at those because you that's what you didn't want because you said when it's yeah. compromised that's when you get leaks well isn't it? I yeah. used though are you before I found period pants I went to a vegan market and they were selling them and I've never seen them before and I thought what a great idea and I bought a couple just to try and I I love them I have to say but they did exactly like you said Lauren they just went round and the poppers you had no yours mm. go from underneath don't you yeah and yeah, yeah there, there was quite there was it was a problem they weren't mm. very comfortable and there was of leakage yeah um, and that's what i found with the ones i had yeah <laughs> and they had one popper on the wings instead of two so literally one popper is hanging onto your pants for dear life trying yeah. not to yeah. the pads swinging all over the place well like we've got two poppers on the wings because i wanted to, to hold on to more of the gusset yeah. and um we've got four different size pads and each pad has a different internal build so that we've managed to keep them as thin as possible, but up, up in the absorbency without up in the thickness. So like our mini, which is like a panty liner equivalent, is not much thinner 
really when you consider what they do to the mega mega which is our post-birth and problematic period like for really heavy bleeds yeah. it's not that much difference in thickness there is some because obviously we need that but we've chosen these four inner materials and we've mixed them up so that each pad has got a different combination in and I think that that really works yeah that's fantastic yeah. and I saw on your Instagram live all your because you, you get sort of different um, designs don't you sometimes you have like limited mm -hmm. editions that are really quite funky looking aren't they <laughs> yeah and yeah and that's great it makes them a bit more fun doesn't it well that's the thing that that was another thing that I was really interested in in the design was and in fact the whole of the branding and everything I didn't want I wanted something that would fit into stylist that was just always my thing and I wanted it to <laughs> I was like, can you imagine having a must-have period pad? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like the you know, Chanel like, of period pads. Right? Yeah. I want to I take up that space. Yeah. So we were going for cool designs. We had the original design. Then last year we'd done a limited edition with amazing Emily Brooks, who is an incredible designer who you would probably see. Her designs are in John Lewis. She's in the Science Museum now. She's in Harrods, Paper Chase, like all oh. the big stationary places. She's an incredible designer. We've done a limited edition with her last year. And it was called the Fierce Collection because, and it was all different big cats. And it was about being fierce around your responsibility with the, the planet and being fierce around your periods and fierce around the fact that you're not ashamed of wearing reusable period products. It was an incredible campaign. It really Love was. It. Mm, um, Love it. We've got another one coming. I've got, I've got two people I'm in talks with at the moment um, and to do limited editions this year. But we've brought out a second permanent design. So, yeah, I wanted to build because all the ones I had seen had like patterns on like polka dots or owls or yeah. fairies or just stuff that was like, yeah. I'm a grown to, woman. Yeah, to me, they look like somebody's leftover remnants. Of it's exactly, yeah. Fabric left in the box. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. Oh, what can you do with that? Yeah. yeah, they were all really childish and really yeah. sort of, yeah, well, well, it just wasn't for me. So I knew I wanted to bring one out that had a bit of badass about it, a bit yeah. like... Absolutely love them. Cooler, um, yeah. With the, with the pads as well, it was just a question that I, I just wanted to ask. Obviously, at a certain age with women, you can get some incontinence as well. Mm -hmm. um, and are they suitable for those to wear for that as well, Lauren? Yeah, we many of our customers just buy them for that. The, yeah. the um, mini flow obviously would be like everyday freshness, bit leaky, um, trampoline situations. Yeah, love and, them. And then if you needed more, you'd go up to the medium. G generally, those two pads. Okay. Yeah, we've definitely got a lot of customers that don't have periods, but do rely on them for either for, like I said, everyday freshness. Some people yeah. were wearing just pan plastic panty liners every day just so they felt a bit of extra confidence. Mm. Whether they were having incontinence or not, just maybe if it, in the summer it was hot and they just wanted to change them up in the middle of the day. Mm. um yeah it's a great idea it is great and if but if you need any more than a mini lou you really should be going to a pelvic yes. floor physio yes oh, getting yourself <laughs> doing your squeezy sque oh, yeah. squeezy app just saying you know what i loved i got the um lv uh trainer have you seen I, it how are you getting on oh i love it tight oh, as a drum bass what's the lv what's that <laughs> what is it an electronic thing no, it, no you charge no. it up but it goes up inside you and then you've got an app on your phone i mean you couldn't have more like oh. modern world you've got an app on your phone that has like this stone on it and it tells you when to squeeze and when to let go and you can see the, the ring on it moving yeah it's really good I oh like that's that yeah that's good because it makes you work because i got a like a kegel machine thing mm. which um 
Well, well, I don't know whether it works or not, Lauren, because I've only used it about three times. I had to sit there for 45 minutes with this thing going. <laughs> oh, no. This is like you, you're wearing it literally. I think I don't even think it's time. I mean, that's just extra. I, I don't think the LV is. I think it's about three minutes and you do it like three or four times a week. That's a wow. really good idea. I like that. I'm writing that you down. Write it down. Yeah, write yeah. Down LV. 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 Thank you, Lauren. Yeah. You're welcome, good babes. Tip, good tip. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what we, uh, I think we both listened to your um, your podcast, the one about being enough, where we spoke a little bit about before in the introduction, um, where you just talk a little bit about the fact that we don't all have to be activists and mm -hmm. as women, because because we don't often, particularly at mine and Lou's age, you know, menopausal women particularly never feel enough. We always feel mm -hmm. we've got to do more and more. Um, and so I think, you know, I think some of our listeners would appreciate some of your your thoughts on what, you know, what we can do. And and a bit like you said in your podcast, what we can kind of let go. Yeah, I mean, this is um, a hangover from my previous account, which was This Girl's Enough, like I said. And it was all about, you know, we are enough because actually yeah. what even is the benchmark for enough anyway? We set it ourselves. It's normally unrealistic you know, strip it back and just that. But I applied it into the terms of sustainable living because I really struggle with, I get sent messages like, um, you know, one cause or, or another and you, you should be sharing about this, you should be speaking up about this. And, yeah, you know, it, it's very easy for people to think that I should be shouting about sustainability like it's my life's work. That's not the place I'm coming no. from. And then I can often feel like, my God, should I be coming from that place because I have an eco product? And I had to have a little word with myself and I was just like, you know, it's okay that I'm not Greta Thunberg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That spot's been taken. It's okay that I'm not sharing the, like the David Attenborough, um, the latest one he done, uh, or it might have been the one before. I don't watch all of this stuff all the yeah. time. I put it on for five minutes, that particular program, and it was too much for me. I yeah. couldn't watch it. It was horrific, horrific. And yeah. whilst I, so I struggle with that. I should be watching it because, you know, I, I should take on my responsibility trying to balance that with yes but I also want to have some decent quality of life and not be racked with guilt yeah that I'm not doing enough yeah, yeah. so, I, was, so. Yeah, I, I don't want to be on picket lines with placards that's not who I am and if I'd yeah. done that it would be really inauthentic um yeah. I'm kind of I say I'm a silent activist so I make swaps out but you know I, I'm curious and I'm doing my what I consider to be my bit yeah um, but I don't want it to compromise who I am or try and fill that space because someone else has told me that I should be on the picket line. You know, that's not, I, I don't no. do that about anything. And that's exhausting, Lauren, as well, though, isn't it? I mean, you've got yeah. families, we've got jobs, we've got other things to do as well. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, it's so important. In yeah. <clears throat> I think in the podcast I was talking about how, you know, you can be a silent activist by, you know, you could set up a direct debit to the Blooming Greenpeace. You could yeah. go on a, a, and pick up litter in your local area for half an hour a week. You can do all of these things without, you yeah. know, you don't, we don't have, I think it's that there's place for all. There's people that do all that, jumping on top of tube trains, amazing. Extinction Rebellion are doing fantastic work. Yeah. There's a place for them, but there's also a place for us people who want to just, in our own homes, do it in our own way and that's okay yeah. because it's it's a collective effort 
Yeah, it is. We just need a, a good nudge every now and then. And yeah. we can be aware now of what plastic we're using and, and, and yeah. things like this, isn't it? I know when, because I'm I'm both me, myself and my brother, we both teach yoga and we're both vegan. And so people have this kind of idea about what we should be like sometimes. <laughs> and um, we were after class one day. Um, I can't even remember who it was now. It doesn't really matter. But we were talking about diet and we never, never preach. That's my choice what I eat. I don't <laughs> preach to anybody about what they should have never and I wouldn't dream of it but um and somebody was t asking us about that and you know said so both my brother and I love cake we just yeah. got real oh, yeah. I love cake <laughs> and and, then, and and whoever this person was said what well, you have sugar and we like that. well yeah and my, my brother said yeah we're vegan we're not Jesus <laughs> I reckon he would have had sugar too. Yeah. I mean, but you can't. I mean, what the hell are you supposed what to have animal, a life? What animal does sugar yeah. come from? Well, yes, exactly. exactly. Yes. Mm. They need to go back to school, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. yeah, they do. Yeah, it's madness. <laughs> And I think that actually touches on the whole, um, you know, that we talk about plastic so much. There's plastic gets so much hate, but you know, we've just got through this co this COVID thing. We needed all the plastic that's been used, all the single plastic yeah. used plastic that's been used. We needed it. Yeah. You know, plastic is an incredible material when respected and when treated, when used, when needed, rather than just you know throw away everyday carrier bag kind of things. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. kept many people safe and alive, hasn't it, through all this? Oh you my know, god, yeah, exactly. And I yeah. think we don't want to eradicate plastic that's that, I don't think that should be the end goal because it's essential for you know and everything in the hospital needs to be single use for obvious reasons the goal shouldn't be to eradicate and demonize plastic the goal should be to respect the plastic that we use and yeah. minimize our consumption of single use plastic yeah and make good swaps and, and, and your wear them out pads are an easy easy swap there's no real excuse for people not to be able to swap there is yeah. there they're cheaper <laughs> Yeah. In the long run, aren't In they? In the long run. You there know. is an initial investment. There is an initial yeah. investment, obviously, like with anything when you swap to eco, buying in bulk and all of that stuff. We yeah. do offer... Um, we use ClearPay, which is a interest-free payment plan as well, though, which helps people get on. But I will always say, you know, just start off with one or two. Build your stock. It's like yeah. anything sustainable. You don't need to go all in. Make the swaps that fit your lifestyle and your budget and also your psychological shift because change is a psychological process yeah yeah it's a bit like again back to nappies with my um youngest son i did um reusable nappies but if we were going out or if we went on holiday i would get the disposable ones occasionally mm. but i didn't beat myself up about it because you think well there's so many let i'm using so yeah. many things than yeah. i would have and if everybody did that it would make a huge difference wouldn't it exactly exactly um, so what what other um i listened to one of yours as well with about the um plastics and everything hence mm. lose tea bags lose oh, gutted now because she drinks about 10 cups of tea a day um <laughs> but what is Laura, and i'm gonna have to get some clipper tea i'm, I'm gonna yeah. have to yeah Make, make that swap so oh, yeah. there, but there were some a lot of surprises in there lauren weren't there, Is there mm. any sort of um eco hacks that you can kind of advise um us and the listeners that are fairly easy to make i think the one that shocked me most in that podcast episode that i done about hidden plastics was inside aluminium drinks cans they're lined by plastic i mean that oh. blew my mind yeah that's yeah. right and you oh, think yeah, oh that's that. gonna get yeah you know recycled yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's not a recyclable item and till receipts from shops. So, again, it's going to be carrying your reusable bottle and 
at the show when you're shopping don't take the teal receipt just ask them to they always say do you want an email copy of the receipt yeah just send it to it i said on the podcast just set up an account that's like bills at yahoo.co.uk or whatever yeah. and just all your receipts go there i mean it's good for filing as well but it's one less thing of that single use i mean we could get into yeah. the warren warren hole of like the internet's draining the, the planet as well yeah. but you know we won't yeah. go there i'm talking about <laughs> single use throwaway pieces of paper yes um, I'm going to write, that's just made me think, I'm going to write to Marks and Spencers because when you go in there, you get reams and reams of stuff on a receipt, don't you? Mm -hmm. And then it it never connects to your Sparks card or whatever you've got. You've got to do that online. (laughs) It's the same if we're naming. We're naming the big boys. But you get far too much. You don't just get a receipt, do you? You get reams and reams sort of office of things. No, I feel Mm -hmm. feel a letter Mm -hmm. taking on, Laura. Oh, that's it. There you are, Anarchist, you see? Well, why can't they be paper? That's just crazy that they're plastic. Well, they used to be, didn't they? They used they to, everything. You everything used to be okay. It's it's just that we oh, yeah, changed just, everything, yeah. and now it's all. And if they get wet, you see, you know, it's it's probably one of those, isn't it? You, you can know, never what? find a bloody receipt when you need one anyway. Well, no, yes. yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think um, three years ago, I think immediate changes that we can all make that are really simple i think the biggest one has to be your energy supplier in your home simply yes. so simple to swap now we use octopus energy and it's just so simple to swap it's not that much more than bog standard um, energy companies they do everything for you i know people are talking about bulb as well there's various ones but that changing your energy use in your home is a huge shift for yeah. a family you know what, what energy yeah. they're using yeah yeah, I do in our yoga shala. I think it's eco something or other we mm. use. But that, it's amazing. And, and then they let you know. They always get an email to let, let us know what they're doing. And it's, mm. it's really interesting. Yeah, it's, really yeah it's, worth, it's worth looking at, definitely. Yeah. Um, and chewing gum was the other one that surprised me. I know. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. No, no. But then I don't use it. I don't have chewing gum because it gives me wind. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I just swallow too much so I don't do, I haven't done chewing gum for years, but yeah, but that's a lot of plastic in your lot, mouth, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And um, just so people people know what we were talking about earlier, the tea bags. So you were saying there's plastic in tea bags. Yeah. So when you when the boiling water hits it, it mm. disperses all the microplastics into the water, and you're ingesting it all. And of course, then it's going in the waterways as well. It's just it's yeah. just unnecessary microplastics. Um, because they so you can't even recycle them not only are you ingesting all the microplastics you can't recycle them either um most i I was chucking them in my compost just thinking i was like Mm, well but no they don't they don't because they can't break down because of the plastic um so either use loose loose tea leaves in an old teapot see back in the day they knew what i was doing granny was alive right um or yeah i mentioned the clipper tea but they're really expensive so i've noticed that pg tips are doing biodegradable ones now they come in a shrink wrap wrapper you know (laughs) (laughs) but we're getting there you in one hand and they take it away in the other right yeah i mean there's a hell of a lot of greenwashing going on with the big companies right now but i mean it's it's a much more affordable option and it's easier to dispose of the big sorry text me the big um plastic wrapper than all the microplastics yeah that's true and that's not going into you either is it no so it is the better option but yeah i mean clipper and the um loose tea would be 
the best options yeah yeah great and it actually would be it's very good for mindfulness to actually make a proper cup of tea I love it. like, yeah. like oh, yeah. a, ceremonial, a ceremonial cup of tea you know mm. china mm. proper bit In of Granny's china, china. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you're getting carried away i like oh, it i like oh, it like, like we've all got loads of time yeah. to do that yeah, <laughs> oh, you know it's been absolutely lovely talking to you lauren it really really has and we always ask our guests for three tips so could you give us three tips for for becoming more eco-friendly please i would say just the first one is keep an open mind you know nobody's saying you've got to become attenborough or you've got to go vegan or you've got to do any of these massive things i'm all about the offset so look at your current life and every time you're looking at a product consider the lifespan of it they always say cradle to grave so is it a single use product because that's already a red flag how Mm. long you know what what's been used in the making of said product fast fashion is oh my god fast fashion is the second biggest contributor to climate change next to fossil fuel i don't think that's talked about enough i have got an episode of that on my podcast a whole episode about fast fashion and why it is so so damaging so i would say you know that is those two areas the energy that you're using and your what you're buying and where you're buying it from making sure that it's ethical making sure within your budget you know we've got to factor that in Mm -hmm. um but just keeping a real open mind about is there an alternative product I could be using to this? Mm. So, you know, sign up for some um, sustainable. I mean, my podcast is called 50 Shades of Green and it is about it being eco-curious. And yeah. my, my journey with, oh, my God, I'm really surprised about these hidden plastics. What will I do with that information? Well, that's up to me. You know, I can yeah. either go and find plastic-free chewing gum or carry on where I am, but it's about being informed. So, yeah. And definitely being informed. And if we're informed, we're empowered, aren't we? It's up to exactly. us then to make those choices. But if we don't know, we're not making any choice, are we? Exactly. No, yeah. 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 Brilliant. So is that three? No, probably not. Oh. Well, I don't know. Fast <laughs> fashion. Fast fashion. Keep an open mind. Yeah. And uh, go easy on yourself. Do you know what? Cut yourself yeah. some slack. Because Brilliant. this... The guilt that is attached to this, once you start entering into this world, which is what I think puts a lot of people off, is like, oh, I'm just going to stick my fingers in my ear and la, 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 because it's overwhelming. There's a lot of contradictory information out there. Take it in bite size. You know, I sometimes I'm having a day where I'm just like, Do you know what, F it, I'm not doing sustainable today. Today I'm going all in and I'm doing what I want because I need a day off of thinking about it or worrying about it. Um, so I suppose my third one is just really go easy on yourself. You don't have to save the planet on your own. It's a community, a collective um, effort. And if everybody just pulls a little bit away in the right direction, we will be making change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we can do it. We can do it together, can't we? Look yeah, what totally. doing there. They're, they're yeah, brilliant definitely. tips. Um, just before you go, Lauren, can you um, let the listeners know where they can find your wear, wear them out pads? Uh, so the website is yeah it's wearemout.co.uk yeah, no it's em not them because i'm co- i'm almost cockney aren't i I'm, I'm, yeah <laughs> <laughs> wear them out jim 
wearemout.co.uk and I'm all over the socials as at wearemoutpads, which yeah. some people read as we are mout. So you do what you want with it, really? babes. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> however, however they want to say it. Yeah, and yeah. You can buy them on the next from the next catalogue as well. Yes, they're yeah. in next online as well. Yeah. Uh, if you can't find them on there, it's because they've sold out. As soon as they sell out, it drops off the website and then goes back on. So stay oh. with it. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. you can get them on your next accounts. And they're actually, I found out this week from one of my lovely followers, uh, in the Reading store, in the Oracle Shopping Centre at Next. Ooh, they're at oh, the wow. Reading store. Yeah, I know. That's get me. great. <laughs> yeah, that, that really is. is. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And we'll put all the all those details on our show notes as well, Lauren. So, thank you. Brilliant. Thank you so much for coming oh, on and chatting to you. us. I'm You're so, so welcome. This one. Yeah, Lou, Lou's very happy. You've made him a very happy girl, Lauren. Oh, <laughs> thanks so much. Thank you. Oh. Speak to you. Thanks, Lauren. Cheers, Thank then. You. Bye. 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 Oh, how lovely was that? Fantastic. Wasn't yeah, it? and yeah. how great for Lauren to share her words of wisdom. What a yeah. wise woman. Yeah, she very is. wise. And uh, John Peel always says, "Never meet your heroes, Lou." But you're quite happy with meeting. Yeah, Lauren, but I haven't really you? met her. No. No, I've talked to her. Met her verbally. Yes. 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 <laughs> Good. Yeah. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Lauren. That's amazing. Um, so it's been mental health this week. By the time this goes out, we're it, a week behind. We're a week behind. Yes. So I do apologise, but um, I've been doing some. This made me think um, uh, a little bit about uh, my mum's sister. Now my mum's um, eighty-eight, and I, so I just thought this. What well, one thing this podcast has done for me is make me realise people aren't around forever. No. If you want to ask somebody something, go and ask them. So I went to talk to my mum about her sister. So okay. I'm going to kind of read and and go on from here so uh, my mum was born in 1932 and her sister Anne was born in 1931 and they lived in Surrey so they were close as sisters and my mum remembers lots of fun running through the field they lived in a quite a small village um, and playing games until suddenly Anne wasn't running anywhere anymore she was in a wheelchair um, this was 1943 and my mum wartime yeah and my mum was told that her sister had Simmons disease which I didn't know what that was so I looked it up and it's a chronic deficiency of function of the pituitary gland so it's it it affects all your growth and and other things um so my mum didn't understand but she remembers uh, the local farmer coming to see Anne with clotted cream. I think they'd moved to Devon by that time. Aww. They did move around a bit. Uh, clotted cream to tempt her to eat. Um, and she said that she didn't didn't know where Anne was or why she couldn't run in the fields anymore. Oh, that's so sad. Mm, really sad. And in June 1945, my mum's sister Anne died. She was only 14 years old. Aww. Yeah, so I, I, never, I never knew her. So she died just before my mum's 13th birthday of Simmons disease. And then my mum was sent away to boarding school. Um, I, know, I just can't imagine what that must have been like for my mum at, at 13, 14, and, and, and her parents. I and mean, I just can't believe it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, life goes on, doesn't it? My grandmother lived until she was 96. She used to live next door to us. She died in 1985 and I was 16. And it was then that we found out the truth that she'd hidden from us for all those years because in grandma's personal things was obviously Anne's death certificate. Um, and in it, it didn't state that she died of Simmons disease. Um, it clearly stated cause of death 
anorexia nervosa. Wow. Yeah. And she was two and a half stone. Oh, my. 14 God. years old. Oh, jeez. Can you imagine? It's awful, isn't it? Sorry. Got a, got well, a you've bit. started me off. I now. know. I didn't know her. But I mean, just think. <coughs> it's such a sad, sad story. It, it is. Um, we were completely. My, mum, my poor mum was so shocked at the yeah. time because she. What? And then that makes you question your relationship with your sister. But obviously, you know, yeah. she had a lovely relationship with her sister. And she did. Yeah, she did. Not knowing or not being able to, maybe like we have now, we have Dr. Google. You know, you can go and find and research really quickly. But back then you didn't. You didn't have any of that to your fingertips and you believed what your parents told you. Yes, you did. And, and also, it's a very misunderstood illness now. Yes. So what would it have been like oh, in those I know days? It probably would have been all closed, behind closed doors. Well, it, yes, exactly. So I started looking into the history of it because it wow. made me really curious. And, and and also at the time that I was 16 um, when we found all this out and we also had a close family member with the yes. same disease, with anorexia nervosa. So we were all too aware of, yeah. of what could happen. Um, so I thought I'd go back and look, see what I could find on Mr. Google yeah. and see what see what was going on. So you won't like it, Lou. Nobody, no woman, nobody will like this, men or women, anyway, hang on a minute. Okay, um, <clears throat> so we tend to think of anorexia as a modern disease, but actually it dated back to well before Anne died in, in 1945. Although it wasn't called ana, ana, anorexia nervosa until about 1874 by Sir William Gull, a year after his address to the Clinical Society of Anorexia Hysterica, there we go, he described it most as mostly occurring in women between 15 and 23 and characterised by extreme emaciation. And the treatment in the late 19th century was separation from the family, <gasps> wait for it, this is his words, as the, quotation marks, thin-blooded emotional female was seen as a vampire who sucks the blood of the healthy people around her. Fucking Can you believe hell. that? What a twat. I mean... Unbelievable! I can't, I, yeah, I can't. You don't know what to say. I, do you? I have no words. Even fuck doesn't even count it. it doesn't, no, doesn't. doesn't. As the condition became, um, again, this is his words, intimately tied to hysteria, and inherently a female diagnosis. Well, obviously we know different now. Yeah. Um, and this, this, um, this is according to the. This is uh, from the National Library of Medicine. This history that I'm getting here. So this treatment of separating the poor girl from her family. It was dominant for many years until new psychiatric approaches, partly stemming from an interest, this is <laughs> in war-related conditions, notab notably shell shock um, and the role of the family. And they began to explore male anorexia and the new science of conditions, um, so like so end endocrinology, do you say that? Yeah. Sought to establish a biochemical basis for anorexia igniting dynamic debate over the existence of male forms of the disorder so it wasn't until men that were suffering from shell shock it wasn't called hysteria that anymore. they started looking into more you know it's just I, i'm shaking my head i'm just i'm i mean i'm, I'm glad my... they started looking into shell yeah. shock that's fantastic that's amazing but my head is in my hands it's just that it's only when a man gets something that these things are looked into. Yeah. So then they started obviously looking into the sort of male form of this disorder. Now, because the earlier medical definitions of anorexia 
being female hysteria, it left little room for identifying male sufferers. So it was being reframed as a psychiatric problem, but linked to a dysfunctional family, in this way making it conceivable of a male form of the disease. So it's not his fault, it's, it, the family. it's his family's fault. So the family, you know, they've done... Women are just hysterical and just off their trolley and, then, and men, it's somebody, the else's it's somebody else's fault. You'll get even more angry. Oh, in the God. year that my aunt was born, so this was 1931, a group of eminent British physicians attributed male causes to an author authoritarian... Oh, how do you say that word? Authoritarian. Authoritarian father and a weak, in brackets, <gasps> crushed mother... And, and being homosexual. Oh, God forbid. I mean, it's just unbelievable. This family-orientated explanation derived from preconceptions of hysteria and a focus on the mother-daughter relationship within families of adolescent girls. However, there was a lack of knowledge surrounding male family dynamics, which has persisted to the present. Despite this, males with anorexia nervosa were viewed as effeminate, homosexuals who like their female counterpart needed to be isolated from because their they families were weak. they were yeah. seen as weak yeah and this is why we've got all these awful connotations that go along with all mental health yeah. so it goes on and because a girl's period would have stopped with the weight loss that's that's called amoria i think i don't know how you say that but amoria this is yeah when yeah, you, yeah. she would have been given um estrogen injections connecting uh to the ovarian failure so they're trying to get they yeah. think the periods have stopped nothing to do with the weight they've just stopped because the ovarian failure um erasing male cases altogether but of course now we know weight uh, you know the the weight in a person's nutritional yeah. status yeah. is connected yeah. to just, to yeah. their period the fact the periods have stopped so by the 1940s by the time Anne would have been diagnosed a new approach came from um I'm just going to call him fuckwit Freud. <laughs> Don't even get me started uh -oh. on that, man. Because, I know, um, because it was framed as a female sexual neurosis where food, this is him saying this, food was associated with impregnation and obesity with pregnancy. Fuck's sake. Yeah. I, I mean, that's all I can say. Yeah. Amoria was now seen as a direct psychological consequence of pregnancy fantasies and constipation symbolised a child in the abdomen. So basically, sort of saying neurosis, it's all in a woman's mind. We're imagining these things. Oh, is this, it comes back and point to the hysteria. Yeah. yeah, it does. It does. He's going, it seems to be going backwards rather than forwards. So despite aims of developing a singular explanation for anorexia nervosa, psychosexual approaches focused on female sexual dysfunction sexual dysfunction they're only like 12 she was only 12 when exactly. she got it what's he freud what oh. are you doing with the 12 year olds i'll tell you what is hang on i'll tell you exactly what he's doing with the 12 year olds lou he's also got have you heard of penis envy <laughs> this is one of his theories okay where he suggested that during the phallic stage three to six years old this is young girls distance themselves from their mothers and instead devote their affections to their fathers. According to Freud, this is because, wait for it, you may want to scream, girls hold their mothers responsible for their lack of a penis and do not forgive her for being thus put at a disadvantage. 
So basically, our girls, your girls, have blamed you because they haven't got a penis, and you've done it. You've done it to them. I tell you what, my <laughs> girls are fucking pleased they haven't got a penis. <laughs> They're rocking the non-penis look. I know. I, I can't. I can't even go there, Jim. I know. This is going to take a long so time to angry. process. I know. I'm furious. Well, you know, it's no surprise we are aware. I know a lot's changed since oh, then, and he's you. been discredited. A lot of those things, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. have, uh, there was a lot of women around then as well that dis- you know were trying to discredit him. Yeah. But obviously, you know, what, we remember what? fuck Rick Foy, don't yes. we? No one else. So, <clears throat> surprisingly, the estrogen injections didn't work, oh, um, and all the psychotherapy it, they didn't have any positive results. So. You know, I I still don't know, and I'll never know whether my mum's sister was given those injections or or subjected to aggressive psychosexual analysis. Um, but I mean, I suppose you try anything as a parent. As a parent, you? you try anything. But I think maybe that was, I don't know. But I would imagine that was more city based, mm. and obviously she's down here in the country. Maybe they didn't have, you know, they just they... had the farmer with clotted yeah, cream. Yeah, they yeah. did. They yeah. did. And also, you know, there are so many mental big mental institutions down here Victorian yeah. mental institutions I remember visiting for my great grandmother you know and a lot of do you that's yeah, interesting I do Ooh. I do it was it was a Christmas play and that was completely oh that's uh, another story that is another let's, story to be taken get, out yeah but <laughs> but my mum will tell you that story but um you know and a lot of women all were also put into those institutions when they were menopausal, menopausal. And it wouldn't surprise me yeah even for anorexia, if they're saying it's hysteria, yeah, it's all linked in. So it's beyond sad. It, it is. It is. How many other poor it's girls? An absolute tragedy. I think it's and an, boys. Un, an unknown. It's an unknown story. It's yeah. an untold story, isn't it? It is. It is. The story yeah. we. It is. So my mum, my mum, bless her, was then brought up as an only child. You know, and you and so, sent away to boarding and sent, school and sent away. Probably sent but away. She never liked. Maybe because fuck with Freud said. Yeah. Exactly. You don't want her going the same way. So you let's send her away. Exactly. Oh, you just don't know. So, oh. no, you don't. And what a story, I, so I, I really hope she wasn't treated like that um, because, as we know now, dealing with this awful mental illness, I mean, I've had to deal with it quite a bit in, uh, in my family, and there's no amount of aggressive treatment and behaviour is ever going to help. No. No. Uh, like most things in life, love and kindness and support are the best things and the yeah. only sometimes that's the only thing we can yeah. do and that it? yeah and that really is what a beautiful beautiful story and i think something that we need to look at and talk about further yeah yeah definitely lou oh, thank you gents okay shall we move after that shall we move to the book collective yes let's do the book collective yes. lou. so this is our new book this is three women by lisa tadeo and um, we haven't started it yet, Hello, We were waiting for everybody to get their books in hand, yes, aren't we? we are. But we have kind of looked, you know, had a little overview. Yes, browse. And, um, and basically it's kind of, it, it looks like she's spent a long time with lots of women, but th- in this book, three particular women. It's mm-hmm. real stories, isn't it? It's yep. actually happened. It's not fiction. Um, and in two of the cases, I'll just read a bit here in the author's note. She says, in two cases, I moved to the towns where they lived and settled in as a resident so I could, be, so I could better understand their day-to-day lives. I was there to experience many of the moments I've included. So wow, this is... that's research. That's serious research. She, that's dedicated that research. That is dedication, isn't it? Yeah. But it actually took her eight years. It was eight years, eight years. I found out of her talking to three women about sex and desire. Wow. Fantastic. I 
um, yeah, I mean, it looks what I what I quite liked in the prologue. Um, she says, as I begin to write this book, a book about human desire, I thought I'd be drawn to the stories of men. So interestingly, if you look okay. at the prologue, she that's what she aimed. That's what at the beginning. That's what she was going to do. Um, men and their yearnings. Mm. Mm. Um, so <laughs> she began by talking to men, and it was through the talking to men, obviously. And then she says the men, uh, the men's stories began to bleed together, but mostly the stories ended in the stammering pulses of orgasm. And whereas the man's throttle died in the closing salvo of the orgasm, orgasm, I found that the woman's was often just beginning. So oh. that's where their stories sort of start, and right. then she found that they control the actual the fun bit for the man finished with the orgasm whereas for the woman's story it was the just actually the just the beginning um so she says there was complexity and beauty and violence even in the way the women experienced the same event wow because she actually spent she spent a decade isolating herself for researching and writing this book i mean that's quite serious isn't it um the observer Amazing. Um, Observer newspaper said it was the best book on women and desire. So yeah, I'm. You've got another yeah. little quote. I, I just can got see another little else quote. Coming but up, I like that. What the Observer yes. said. That's great. But I really like this because I thought it would. It's quite a good point that she's making. It's um. She says because it's women in many of the stories I've heard who have a greater hold over other women than men have. We pretend to want things we don't want so nobody can see us getting what we need. Get, sorry, not getting what we need. Wow. That's quite... A, That's quite... When you a... think about that sentence, even though I missed out the, the main word, not. <laughs> and so we pretend to want things we don't want so nobody can see us not getting what we need. Think about that one. Well, that's a deep one to end on. That. I can't wait. No, me. I can't. And we are going to be reading up so next week, we're going to have read to Maggie on page 63. Brilliant. Brilliant. I look forward to that. Um, so um, while we're on the collectives, what about the wine, Lou? Have you picked for I our have. next week's wine? Excuse me, let me rustle, rustle, because I've got it here. No not, chinking not, just yet. No chinking. It's the morning, 9.30. Yes. <laughs> um, so I've gone for an organic wine this time. Good. In line with, you know. Yeah, trying to be good. Yeah, um, it's a Casa Rascoli organic primitive, primitive, primitivo, 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 primitivo from Tesco's, and it's eight pounds. And the grape variety, um, primitivo. God, I tell you what, any Italians, I'm sorry, I'm crucifying your language. <laughs> so, so it says it's about the. Don't keep trying the same Pinot Noirs and Cabernet Sauvignons. Try a juicy Primitivo from the southern tip of Italy. From it, I'm going to have to get this Googled and say it properly. We'll put it on the show notes. Yes, Primitivo. Um, the Italian name for Zinfandel. Um, but it shed its past as an obscure blending grape in inexpensive wines and is now being made into a distinctive, high-quality, varietarial wine. So the that's from a wine story. So what's the wine called again, Lou? <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna get that. It's we'll called put it on the... Casa Rascoli Organic Primitivo, and you get it from Tesco. And you get it from May, Tesco's. Might, might be able to get it from some other supermarkets yes. as well. But we'll put it on the show notes. 
um, and on our Instagram, so you can go and have a look at that one. Yes, and I um, apologise to Italian listeners. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I've got nothing Italian in mind. If you okay. don't like red wine or you want to try a nice non-alcoholic um, drink, I'm going to go for this time um, a drink called Seedlip. You may have heard oh, of it yes. because now you can get it in most pubs, which is great. Um, it's They make deceit. Deceived. I'm, I'm going Italian now. With <laughs> distilled, distilled, distilled non-alcoholic spirits. So the one we're going to try, because you, if you have a look for Seedlip, they've, they've got many versions now. I'm going to be drinking the Seedlip Garden One Zero Eight. Oh. Um, okay, and you can get it from Tesco, Amazon, most of the big supermarkets. It's not that expensive. I think I've seen Seedlip in Holland and Barrett. Yes, well. I think yes. you can get it in Holland and Barrett. Um, and you drink it with, um, if you don't like gin, don't worry, it doesn't taste anything like gin, but you can mix it with like a tonic, which okay. is really nice, and have it with a bit of cucumber or lemon or lime or anything like that. So anyway, we'll be talking about that next week. Seedlip, Garden 108. Perfect, thank you. Okay, and so talking, uh, th these actually, Foodie Collective... Chocolate and red wine, where do you stand on chocolate and red wine? Does it go together? God, yes. Yes, well, okay, so <laughs> this week's Foodie Collective, excuse the noise I'm making. They look like little... They do. They don't look like deliciously Ellers, do they? Lou, I'm sorry. I, I take, <laughs> take a photo and we'll tell them. <laughs> it did look like, when I was making them, it did look like I messed myself in my, with my hands, in my hands, because it was very messy to make. I am just going to take a photo for the collective to actually see what gins is going to make me eat. <laughs> they taste delicious, as you'll find out in a minute. We have made four ingredient chocolate truffles by Deliciously Ella. They are no bake. You do have to warm and heat the maple syrup and the chocolate and the right. cacao caca powder caca, together. Yeah. Um, but um, what? So you just pick one out and I'll try one there. Lou. They smell delicious. They, honestly, my son walked in as I was making them home from school and he said, Oh, what? God, they taste bloody delicious. Don't they? Make your teeth look lovely. <laughs> Would they go with wine? Mm. Yeah. So um, while you're eating that, I'm just going to tell, tell uh, folk a little bit about the benefits of cacao. Because there's quite a, a lot bit of, of rum in these. Yes. I thought you could put a bit of orange flavouring. A little bit of zest. zest. Ooh, a little bit of orange zest. See, we're breaking, breaking the rules. We already. are. We are breaking the rules. So there's only four ingredients. So there's what was in there? Maple syrup, um, cacao. Caca. What else was in there? Can't remember. Anyway, we'll put it, all, we'll put it on the thing. I never write these things down. There's only four things to remember, for God's sake. Yeah, brain fog. Brain fog. Um, so, um, yeah, so cacao, it originally... Um, chocolate. It, it is, yeah. It came from South America about 5,000 years No, that's years what's in ago. there as well, chocolate. It just came to me because you yes. had to melt some chocolate you Melt sailed. some chocolate. <laughs> yeah, <sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> You're shouting chocolate at me. Yes. So there's about 200 grams there is of, of, dark, of dark chocolate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's something else. One more thing. Maple syrup. Anyway, um, and so... Yeah, the beans from these trees are harvested to make both cacao and cocoa powder. And they go through a fermentation, Emma will like this, a fermentation process, and they're then press, processed into either cacao or cocoa. Um, the co the, to create cocoa powder, the processors apply a very high temperature to the cocoa beans, which, uh, which means they give it a sweeter taste um, but they don't have the same health benefits. Okay. So cocoa powder is sweeter, but
but without the same health benefit benefits as cacao powder. Cacao powder tastes a bit bitter, so you mix it with the maple syrup and off, off you go. Um, so it is one of the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet. It gives you a very high source of magnesium, and we spoke about magnesium it's very before. very good for you. Very good for you in menopause, mm -hmm. particularly. Um, and it is rich in monosaturated fats which your body needs to keep a healthy heart and reduce your bad cholesterol it's also a good source of iron potassium and naturally occurring protein and fiber and it helps to combat tiredness um, and builds muscle mass and the fiber helps with your digestion oh we all need a bit more caca powder we do i've actually found the recipe so it's dark chocolate maple mm. syrup the thick top of a can of That's coconut what milk or coconut cream mm -hmm. and caca powder. But we'll put the full caca cacao. Mm. Stop saying caca powder. Cacao. Mm. And we'll put the full recipe on the old ground. Good, they? they are delicious. They don't look it. Mm. I've not been rude. Jeans. No, deliciously. Ella rolls them in such a way they look yes. really nice. Mine don't look that nice. They taste better than they She's look. She's the Nigeria so of the healthy food world, isn't she? She is. Yes. <laughs> Okay, I'm sneaking in here with a WI that Lou doesn't know about. It's set from one of our previous guests and you'll hear it now. It so, really, um, it really is. So there you go. So yeah. just see how you go. And I mean, Lou, if you, you know, on your podcast, you might share whether over the next four weeks you do change some sugar habits and how you're feeling yeah. um, about it. You know, yeah, my gosh, know everyone, will, everyone would love to hear that. Thank you, lovely Emma Ellis Flint there with Lou's uh, WI for the next few weeks. Maybe if Lou decides to accept her invitation, which of course she doesn't have to. But um, I don't know if you heard Lou there saying, um, oh yes, yes, yes Emma, yes I will, yes, yes I will. Well, I found an empty diary and three chocolate twirls in the drawer and she texted me yesterday to say she had a packet of Jaffa cakes a whole packet of Jaffa cakes and the day before that there was a photo with two whole chocolate clairs not the sweets I mean the whole cakes um I'm not sure whether she ate both of them but no and Lou she probably did so about time to start the diary Shh, she's coming back uh what's next on the um agenda oh it's, it's about we're talking about our competition Oh, yes. So please, can I ask you to vote? We've entered a competition with a road, R-O-D-E, to win some podcast equipment um, uh, that we won't know how to use probably, Lou. No, we? but no, it'll all go a bit wrong, but we know. We're, we're, we're in it to win it. We'd like to win it anyway. Yes. Cause, um, so you can help us by voting for the People's Choice Award, uh, which is really easy. You can click on the link on the podcast show notes or from our bio, so I've got eaten chocolate, um, or from our bio on the Instagram. Um, so either way, you just cl literally click it and it'll, you'll be taken to the competition and it'll say vote now and you just click on that, please. Perfect. Very much appreciated. Well, what a full show it's been today. Hasn't it? Full little pod. We've had a big yes. pod today. Amazing. We've had some tears and we've had some amazing advice from the lovely Lauren. We and have. We've had, we, and we've had chocolate. Yeah. And we've talked wine. What's more, what's not to like? And a good book. And a good book. And that, yeah, Lauren was amazing. So go out there and find some tips. Take some, yes. you know, get those tea bags. And wear them out. Yeah, and wear them out. Brilliant. Perfect.
So we hope your tea's not gone cold and you'll join us next Sunday for The Collective, where we will be discussing Up to Maggie on page 63 of our new book, Three Women by Lisa Tadeo. We will be wine tasting for The Wine Collective on a bank holiday again. <laughs> and discussing some of the more unusual menopause symptoms that you may not even be aware of. We would love you to subscribe, follow and review our podcast. And please head over to our Instagram page, Womankind Collective, to leave comments or DM us with your thoughts and find all the links and chat from the podcast here and on the show notes. Wow, that's brilliant. Thank yeah. you so much, Jim. Thank you, Lou. It's been a good week. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye.